Good morning. He is risen. Good. More of you, more of you know that now. I know it's, it can be kind of insider information, right? The denomination I grew up in, you know, never had that thing. And I remember when I first went to a church and, you know, someone says, he, he, he is risen. All of a sudden, someone next to me exploded. He is risen indeed. Scared me. And I thought, uh-oh, I don't know the, I don't know the thing. So, okay, so, so that's the thing, okay? So let's practice. Anytime for the rest of the service, if someone says he is risen, then what do you say? Okay, he is risen. And, you know, okay. Here's the thing. He was dead. I've no doubt that many of you have experienced death in your families or someone close to you, maybe even very recently. He was dead, truly dead. But then, and now, he's alive and he's risen. Yes, hallelujah. Go ahead, yeah, hallelujah. Oh, that, you do that better than he has risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Oops, he is risen. Hallelujah. Hey, amen. Let's go. No, okay. My friends, today is the day that Jesus defeated death. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, we say that, and the older I get, you know, I remember, it's, I always want to capture that childlike wonder. I remember when I first heard, and as I was a young boy, as I was getting to understand what it meant when people were dead, that Jesus was raised from the dead. I was like, oh. And then as I get older, I don't know what it is. Is it the devil? Maybe. It doesn't have that childlike wonder anymore that Jesus defeated death. And today is the day we celebrate he defeated death. And in defeating death, Jesus set us free. Amen? He is risen. The Apostle Paul proclaims it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Jesus promises us you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Now I've been reflecting all week on what it means to be free. Have you ever thought about that? You know, it's one of those things maybe that you don't often think, you know, why is the sky blue? You just know it's blue. And you think, you know, we kind of know what freedom is. But did you ever put some thought into defining freedom? What is freedom? And what does it mean that we have new freedom in our risen Lord? And Ryan mentioned politics, which you're not to talk about with family today. But uh, politics certainly in the news in a presidential election year. And as Americans, we should know, right? We know freedom and what it means to be free. Every time we sing our national anthem, baseball's back. And one thing I'm, I love about baseball is every, I turn it on the TV all the time and you hear the national anthem and we sing, or the land of the free, right? And then we wonder if the singer's going to hit that high note, like above it, right? And we sing songs like, I'm proud to be an American. Okay, some of you know that, good. 
We know free. We have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, personal freedoms grounded in a constitution. Freedom is something we value and cherish and we defend. It's a very deep and meaningful declaration for us to declare that we are free. Let freedom ring. We know free. But as good as American freedom is, do we really know free simply by being an American? What is it to be free anyway? What does freedom mean? Yeah, we deeply resonate in Braveheart when Mel Gibson yells, Freedom! Something in us. But why? What is it that pulls that passion from us when we hear about freedom? This past week, I read a lot of definitions of freedom. And I, I found one that I thought was a good place to start this morning. See what you think of this definition of freedom. To be free means to be empowered and unconstrained in pursuing and achieving the desires of our heart. Pretty good definition, don't you think? It's a little stiff as definitions are wont to be try to restate it. To be free, to be truly free, means to have the power that's greater than any constraints in order that we can get after what we really want. And if that happens, then you are truly free. Let's unpack that a bit first, briefly. Freedom means to be empowered to be truly free to do something it has to be in your power to do it otherwise the freedom's meaningless and if meaningless it's not true freedom for example no matter how much I desire it or I want to or I'm free to think about it no matter how much I desire it I can't like launch myself off this stage and fly around the room no, I mean, in order to do that, in order to do that, I need wings or a jetpack or, you know, a cool anti-gravity belt or something, right? Otherwise, I'm not free, really, to do that. And to be truly free, we first have to have the power to do it. The second one, to be truly free we must also be unconstrained. There can't be restraints that keep me from using my power or my jetpack to fly around. I mean, I might have the, uh, the jetpack to fly around the room, but if there's constraints, uh, then I'm really not free. And so when we think freedom, we not only need to have the power but we must have power sufficient enough or we also have to consider what 
constraints or restraints need to be removed before we are truly free. Last, to be truly free, I must be empowered and unconstrained in pursuing and achieving the desires of my heart. For freedom to mean anything to me, and thus to be truly free, it has to be towards the ends of achieving something very important to me that I want to achieve. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything, and it's not true freedom. For example, let's say that someone, maybe later today, offers you a big bowl of ice cream. And as you take the ice cream, oh, ice cream. And you say, oh, you notice that it has this sickly green color. And you discover that this ice cream is anchovy ice cream. And you look at it, and it's got kind of big old drippy chunks of raw fish in it. Kind of like chocolate chips, but not. (laughs) Now, I'm going to make the wild assumption, or at least for sake of my illustration this morning for you anchovy, slimy fish lovers, that you have no desire to eat anchovy-flavored ice cream. That's not the desire of your heart. You have the power to eat it. Someone's given you a spoon. There's no constraints against you eating it. But that freedom isn't truly free if it's not a desire of your heart. We're not truly free unless the freedom enables us to achieve something we really, really desire. To be truly free means to be empowered and unconstrained in pursuing and achieving the desires of our heart. Only then are we truly free. Now, if that's what it means to be truly free, or free indeed, how does Christian freedom compare? Or as the Bible calls it, freedom in Christ. Is freedom in Christ this kind of truly free, free indeed freedom? Is freedom in Christ the best way to be empowered and unconstrained in pursuing and achieving the desires of our heart? Well, let's see. What's that first element of our definition of true freedom? Let's look at them one at a time again. Is is freedom in Christ empowered freedom? (laughs) Well, yeah. Especially on a day like today, right? For starters, and maybe for enders, the empowering freedom in Christ brought Jesus back from the dead. Did I mention he was dead? But now he is risen. The power of freedom in Christ defeated death. Can we begin to imagine even a, 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 imagine even a greater power than the power to bring life from, even bring yourself back from the dead? 
I'll tell you, it's difficult to do much when you're dead. I can try to imagine a greater power. How about this one? The power that created the entire universe from nothing. It's difficult to create and create anything from nothing. But wait, that's the same power. The same power that generated life in the beginning also regenerates life today and forever. And my friends, it gets even better. That same life-giving power that spoke the universe into existence from nothing and blew open Jesus' tomb, that same power now Jesus gives us to live in, abide with, and be a part of all who are in Christ. That power lives in us. And we know that power by His name. His name is the Holy Spirit who lives in us in awesome power. So let's see. For freedom in Christ to qualify as true freedom or freedom indeed as we've defined it, it needs to have power. I'd say... You know, we barely meet that criteria since the power fueling freedom in Christ is the greatest power that anyone could possibly imagine. It's infinite power, the infinite power of Almighty God that stands there empowering freedom in Christ. So, so far, so good. He is risen. How about the next one? Is freedom in Christ unconstrained freedom? <laughs> when infinite power is the power that we possess when free in Christ, what could possibly constrain it? The Apostle Paul asked the question this way, What shall separate us from the love of Christ. And love is both the means and the ends of Christ's power as God is love. What shall separate us from that? Paul asks, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then Paul answers his own question, no! No, in all these things, we are made more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, I wish Paul would be clearer here. What are you saying, Paul? Nothing. Nothing can constrain the power behind freedom in Christ. Nothing. Woohoo! Woohoo is the insider for amen. Now, that doesn't mean that things don't try and constrain that power. The devil comes to mind. Let me tell you about the devil. Yes, he has real power. But God promises and shows that his power is greater. He promises that when we resist the devil, 
he will run. It's a promise. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't see him coming, and so we're not ready, and we don't resist him. You stupid. Resist him, and Jesus, and he will run, the Bible says. Yes, the devil has power, but his power is not greater than the power of the one who created him. And the power of the one who created the devil is the power that now lives in us. So if we resist the devil with that power, with God's greater power, then the devil's no match for it, and he's going to run, James says. But more than the devil, even, in my opinion, although he certainly plays a role in what I'm about to say next, more than the devil, you know what I think is by far the biggest constraint that tries to get in the way of the Holy Spirit, infinite power living in us? It's us. We often get in the way and limit God's power in us. Oh, we don't necessarily do it on purpose, maybe never on purpose, but we often end up doing it anyway, it seems to me. One way I think we end up constraining God's power is, not, is by not even realizing the power we in fact have in Jesus. We just don't buy it quite. We don't truly believe it, it seems, sometimes. One commentator suggests most of the struggles of most Christians can be traced to a distorted understanding either of God or of themselves. And so the challenge becomes for us to believe more and more the truth about God and about ourselves. Ah, Jesus' words, the truth will set you free. Believing the truth, he continues, will free us from the bondage or to use my word this morning, constraint even of our own sin. In other words, I think we get inadvertently caught with, with a lack of faith sometimes that doesn't give breath and life and ability to God's awesome power in us. And P.S., while God's awesome power is more than enough to break through all constraints, there is one power that he won't force it on out of his love and respect for us. And that's where our free will comes in. So if we're limiting it, if we don't want to go there, if we don't trust it, if we don't believe him, if it's like, eh, he is risen, he is risen indeed, it's okay, you don't have to do that one. God won't force himself on us. Because that's not love. Let me ask you, do you believe? Do you truly believe in the power of the Spirit, the power of God? And do you believe that His power is enough to overcome any constraint? That His power is so big that nothing, in Paul's words, can separate you from God? 
or in the face of, in particular, that own struggle with a sin in your life that's just so vague and you just can't seem to get around it? Do you doubt sometimes that God's power is big enough? I know I do. I get caught constraining God's power all the time. Well, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Day. And I can't think of a better day than the one where we're standing there gaping at an empty tomb where a dead man no longer is. What better day to remind us of the awesome power of God, the sufficiency of God's power over any constraint than Easter? He did it. He did it. He did it. And then he gave that life-giving power by which he did it He gave that power to us. It's unbelievable. But believe it in faith. Freedom in Christ is empowered by the Spirit, a power that is greater than any constraint, including our own. Well, how about that last part of our definition this morning? How does freedom in Christ stack up against a true freedom that allows us to pursue and achieve the desires of our heart? We got the power, and it's more than sufficient for any would-be constraints. But does freedom in Christ allow us to pursue and achieve the desires of our heart? Or does Christianity live up to or live down to its stereotype out there in the world of, oh, it's just all these rules. We have to obey. (laughs) To which I often hear Christians respond, well, yeah, got to obey the rules. I'm going to give you a different way to think about freedom in Christ this morning and suggest to you that freedom Christ, in fact, is the only freedom that truly allows us to pursue the desires of our heart. One thing we have to deal with, though, a bit, as you know, or at least as I know, is among the desires of our heart are sinful desires. I'm going to make a a wild and crazy assumption this morning. It's my second one. The first one was anchovy ice cream, that you don't like it. And the wild and crazy assumption this morning I'm going to make is that every one of us in here has at least one sin that we're seriously struggling with. That our heart struggles with wanting and desiring. At least one. Is that too far a stretch? If it is, then take me, for example, because I have sinful desires that I struggle with. So does freedom in Christ mean I'm free to pursue those?
Paul very clearly answers that question. No, (laughs) he says. We're not free to pursue sinful desires as part of freedom in Christ. Well, what then? Are they right? Is freedom in Christ kind of this crappy freedom that doesn't allow people to pursue the desires of their heart? To answer that question, to give us a different way to look at it, the, the correct way to look at it, I believe, you tell me what you think if you like, we've got to focus on that in Christ part of our freedom. And we need to remember which critics of Christianity often forget. We need to remember that all freedom is limited. It has to be. Both to protect individuals and to protect other people in the community. Even in America. The land of the free. We, of course, understand this. There are all sorts of limitations on what we can and can't do, even in, especially in the land of the free. If you wonder, next time you're traveling down West Bowles by the church here, go 60 miles an hour. (laughs) They like to watch there. And you will discover that there are limitations on your freedom, even in the land of the free. Those limitations are there because someone decided their best for the individuals in our society and best for all concerned in community. So all true freedom is limited. And what that means is when we're offered the opportunity to become free in Christ, what that means is we're offered the opportunity to take a part of and enter into another sort of society or citizenship or kingdom. One with limitations as well, like every truly free society enjoys, for the benefit of the individual and everyone in that kingdom. But make no mistake, we are still truly free. In fact, I'll make, and I've made the outrageous statement already, I think, we're freer in Christ than with any other freedom possible. You say, how can you say that? Two reasons, at least, I think I can make that claim. First, listen to this definition of freedom. Written more with freedom of Christ in mind. This author writes, freedom is not the right and ability to do as one pleases, but freedom is the ability to move without constraint in the sphere for which God made us. Freedom, therefore, is not inconsistent with limitation in law. A locomotive is not free unless its motion is confined to the two real wheels, rails, on which it was made to run. And then he reminds us, and people are made in the image of God to be like Him and to reflect His holiness. And so people are free only when they move without constraint in the sphere of holiness and obedience to God's law. And I can't emphasize this one enough. Freedom in Christ, my friends, you can look high and low, you can climb the mountains and talk to the wise man over there in Tibet, you can 
search out any God, any history, any religion there ever been, any would-be pretender of what it means to be free. And you will never find a freedom that more perfectly fits. It's a round peg into the round hole that more perfectly fits into what God made us for. Freedom in Christ is the only freedom to which God truly made us for. That's why I can say it's the best possible for any human beings because that's the freedom for which we were made. And second reason I can say freedom in Christ is freer than any other freedom, and it's even better than that, although it's hard to imagine it could get better, but it does. Get this. We who are free in Christ, really can pursue the desires of our heart when we are in Christ and only when we're in Christ. We really can pursue all the desires of our heart without limitation. (gasps) Say how? Because Jesus actually transformed the desires of our hearts to truly desire what God desires. And he transforms our hearts. Theologians call this sanctification. God comes along and through the power of his spirit our hearts actually are transformed supernaturally even. And as that regeneration happens There are no more meaningful limitations on our freedom because we're not limited in pursuing and achieving what our heart's desires when our heart's desires is what God is all about. For all of you and for me who are struggling with sin, God comes and he promises that in Christ and in time spent with him and in his word as we get to know him, as we develop a more intimate relationship with him, as we truly get to live out in life experience and relationship what it means to die to self and no longer be me but Christ who lives in me, the hope that I can offer you and I've experienced myself, my friends, is that those those desires, that inclination to sin, they will weaken and they will break and you'll find yourself even desiring not to do them. And there is no other power, no other freedom than freedom in Christ that offers that. God not only gives us the power sufficient to break any constraint, But he gives us the only freedom without limitation to pursue the desires of our heart because he works on those supernaturally and makes our desires him. And in Christ only then are we truly free, my brothers and sisters. He is risen. And that, my friends, is true freedom. It's the only true freedom I know. And that freedom, freedom in Christ, is the freest freedom possible. It's the best. And it's a freedom unique to Christ. It is only available in Christ. 
Only Jesus offers this best freedom for which we were made. I came across a, a short video this week. I think it emphasizes well the uniqueness of the freedom which Jesus alone offers and has given us. See what you think. Let's watch. A man fell in a hole. He fell in a hole and he couldn't get out. A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hole he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. himself out, was saved. He is risen. Jesus, of course, is the only God or would-be God that has ever crawled down in the hole himself to free us.
the question I'd like to leave you with today on Resurrection Day. In the light of that power of God which dwells in us, which is sufficient for all constraints and marvelously, supernaturally enables us truly to pursue the desires of our hearts for which we were made. The question I, I ask is this. How will you respond to that kind of love, that kind of freedom-giving God? Father in heaven, we give you all the glory. Father, remind us of the truth that we know so that we may indeed be set free. Remind us that there's no hole we're sitting in, no sin, no struggle, no constraint, that you didn't defeat that day in coming out of the tomb. Remind us that with you and in you only, we have that same power. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son. Jesus, thank you for your incredible free obedience to your Father and for your amazing love for us that kept you on that cross and dead for three days. And Holy Spirit, thank you now for living in and indwelling with us all, ready and eager to partner with us when we step out with you in faith to continue defeating death and sin and to continue bringing life and new life to all of those around us and in all the world. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.